This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emrys, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. We've been working on a massive project over the last maybe year or so here. And what we're doing is we're putting together a benchmark report for the automotive industry. I don't think that there's been a report like this that's ever been done, especially in the capacity that we're doing it using real financial information from our clients. Obviously, all anonymous, but real uh, reviewed numbers that we know are accurate. Not a survey, not numbers point of your point of sale. Real life, this are what shops are doing. Um, we're really excited about this. I'm really excited to see the numbers. And I think that the industry will learn a ton from it. So this week, we're going to be talking about what it is going to look like, what we're doing, and what you can do to be a part of it if you would like to. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Why wait until the end of the day for your accountant to tell you how things turned out? With advanced analytics, you can compare any metric anytime so you don't need to guess. It's all part of Shopware.com. In today's world, managing the labor side of your business is more important than ever. Utilizing their industry-leading software, Labor Profit Management, Repair Shop of Tomorrow can help shops maximize their profits by developing a specific plan for each client. Please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com. If you're a monthly client of ours, you probably got a couple emails from us about participating in a benchmark report. What the entire process looks like, you've probably been filled into a certain degree. And then obviously, for those of you that aren't our clients, is what we're trying to do is there's information that we need from you, our clients, or our clients are going to provide for us. And that's going to be non-financial information. How many technicians do you have? How do you pay them hourly? Commission-based? How many service advisors? How many bays do you have? What shop management software? And a number of other things that kind of go down. And then what we have is obviously full financial information for that entire shop. And then there's other questions that we're going to answer based just on the financial information. One of the things here that was very important for us is, hey, we have a lot of this data and we want to not make the lives of our clients exhausting, right? We don't want to give them too much work for something that they're not going to want to participate in or also something that they won't benefit from. So a lot of this information we're really going to be gathering ourselves And like I was talking about before, we've been doing this for months and months and months. It's probably a little bit more of a project than I thought. But as we go down through and we as we start seeing some of this information, I think it's going to get really cool information that no one has ever been able to look at. You know, we'll talk about a little bit later, but there's a couple of things where I'm really curious to see how they shake out. Every once in a while, people ask us, hey, what percentage of people do this? What percentage of your people do that? And I have rough guesses on it, but I just don't know. If you're one of our monthly clients listening to this right now and you have not kind of participated it or maybe you saw it, but you didn't send it back, this is just a reminder to get that into us. Um, We're hoping to have the kind of information or the survey side of things closed out by the end of January. So all the people that want to be part of the study, we're going to close it at the end of January. Um, We've already had really, really good interaction on that. Already a lot of good feedback. Already a ton of clients have given us all the information. So if you provided all that stuff, thank you, thank you. The more that we can get in there, the better. In a perfect world, right now, we work with about 600 clients, maybe 800, 900 shops if you count all the multi-location stuff in there. And I ultimately want to have about half of our clients in there. Half of our clients would give us probably about 300 shops, maybe 400 or shops, which is a ton, a ton of information. 
The more shops that we get in there, obviously the stronger the numbers are going to be because we can do better averages. Also, the more clients that we have in there, the more we can break this stuff down. Because I'd love to be able to say, hey, this is all the information, but you probably only care about the Southeast United States. or you probably only care about California. If we have 15, 30 different shops in that geographic area, again, we can get some pretty good averages and really good numbers. And also, I'd like to segment this out by industry, too, because I tell this a lot to people, especially people that kind of look for information from outside sources that don't really get it. They say, Hunt, my number should be this. Everyone's saying it should be that. And I look at it, I'm like, yeah, but you're a specialty Euro BMW only shop. Some of these KPIs are going to be directly relatable to you. Other ones are not going to make any difference. Um, At the end of the day, everyone here that's probably listening to this is selling parts and labor. But depending if you're working on domestic, diesel, heavy duty, you know, maybe exotics, Euro, whatever it is, there's all little intricacies. And again, if we can get a good number of all of those in the studies, we're going to be able to segment this stuff even more, which obviously I'm a numbers person. I'm curious just because that's the way that my mind works. But the more people, the better information, not only for you, my listeners, but also the industry as well. This report is going to be public. We're not going to sell this. Um, It's not sponsored. We're just doing this completely to give back. It's something that, like I said, no one has ever done and probably almost no one could because who else has access to this much actual client information? So yeah, I'm really excited about it. So for those of you that have already participated, thank you. Thank you. For those of you that have got it and are just getting it together, here's your kind of warning to get that wrapped up here in the next week or two. And then for those of you that are our client and are not a part of it yet, shoot an email to your monthly person and they can get you that link to that survey and get this going. If you are not one of our clients and you want to be a part of it, unfortunately right now we're only doing our clients because of the financial side of it. But keep an eye out. We're going to be talking about this more. And also, like I said, this is going to be public. So we'll be sending this out, um, probably do some episodes on it from based on what we see on these numbers. But yeah, we'll be sharing that on all of our social platforms, website and stuff like that. So you will get it. Um, And like I said, I'm shooting for the end of April. It really depends how many people we have in this study and what data comes out of it and probably how much time I can set aside during tax season to kind of do some analysis and uh, some writing on these things. I wanted to do this episode to kind of just talk about the overview of it, right? This episode was not just to make our clients do this or make people aware of the study. I want to kind of go into the background of why this idea came up and then also some of the stuff that we're already doing right now. As of right now, we already put all of our clients' information into a database. The database tracks maybe 12 or 15 different KPIs all financial KPIs, all just strictly numbers off of the financial statements. Um, and our clients see that on a quarterly basis, we send out, you know, what is the average sales? What is the uh, labor gross profit? What is the car count? What is the advertising? You know, how much money is going to owner's percentage of sales? We're measuring all this stuff right now. And for some of those things, it's really, really good information. I know our clients love to kind of compare Because everyone can kind of throw out an industry standard. Hey, you should be at X percent, fill in the blank here. And I see shops say this all the time. Well, how the heck am I ever supposed to get to that number? It's not possible. Now, if I can say, hey, here's what another shop that's five miles down the road is doing, and they're actually hitting those numbers, then for a lot of people, it clicks. Like, well, okay, if someone else is doing it, it must be possible. Um, and honestly, a lot of those times when I have situations like that, I'll just put them in touch with my other client. 
obviously I, I ask them and make sure it's okay. But I remember about a year ago, I have one shop that just kills it on ARL. And I have a lot of shops that struggle with that. And so he was saying, hey, I just can't get it up. Um, you know, this is as high as I can get my ARO. I can't make it any better. And I say, you know what? If I told you something, it would just be kind of replicating what my client told me before. Why don't you guys talk? You know, you can kind of get into his head on how he makes his ARO as good as he can. And it's been incredible. I think that shop, he's actually selling it pretty soon here. But by the time when we had had that conversation to now, he's about doubled his ARL. Not close to what my client is, but like I said, twice as good as what he had before. So really cool information here. Also, what we're trying to do here is kind of break it down to some more detail, not only of some of the numbers and as they relate to non-financial numbers, but also comparing to different things. Right now, we're comparing to the average. But a lot of my clients say, hey, Hunt, why would I compare myself to the average? I don't care what the average shop is doing. I care what the top 10%. And this is where the whole idea of this benchmark report came from. And I still haven't completely written this thing, right? I have a lot of notes. You know, I've talked about this over the years. I mean, this has probably been four years in the making that we finally pulled the trigger and started doing this. And this is where it all came down from, is what are the top 10% of shops doing that other people aren't? Because I know for a fact that there is going to be metrics that come out of there that are surprising of, hey, 90% of the top shops are doing this. 20% of the other 90% are doing it, right? There's going to be things that top shops are doing that no one else is. And if you have the numbers on it, that's pretty cool because you could say, hey, this is what the top shops are doing. Now, the trickier part of where this analysis comes in here is, is that going to be a cause or effect? Is this what the 90% are not doing that the 10% are? Is that the reason why the 10% are successful? Or is it because the top 10% are successful that they allow them to do other things? And this is where the, it comes down to, and we always talk about numbers don't lie, which is true. But numbers also don't paint the entire picture. I mean, you've got to be very careful. Is, is this the cause or is this the effect? I think there's a saying there that I can't think of, of, you know, it's not the chicken before the egg, something like that. But we're going down a rabbit hole here. But that's the whole idea. The base of this report is obviously going to be an entire industry study, different locales, different kinds of shops and stuff like that. But essentially what we're trying to get out of this is, hey, what are the top performers in this industry doing that is making them get ahead? And what can the rest of the industry learn from them to implement in their own shops to make their life better? And obviously there's going to be tons and tons and tons of metrics and ratios. So if you love that stuff and you want to do a sanity check, this will be really cool too. Hey, what is the average person paying their service advisor in my area? Uh, what is the average Euro shop paying for service advisors? How many service advisors per technician is a general average for all shops, top shops, Euro shops, heavy duty shops, and stuff like that? We're going to be able to have all this information, actually be able to answer those questions versus me just giving a rough estimate. You know, and another one, and I'm not sure why this is, but the last week it's been asking this a lot is, the whole idea of, well, hey, you can't do flat rate. Flat rate is not fair for a technician. It's not good for the business. It breeds you know, inefficiencies. Or the flip side is, is you can't run a profitable business without doing flat rate. And we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We did an episode on tech pay plans. And I always talk, say this to clients as well is, 
I don't really know the number. I would guess if I'm looking at it that of my shops, the majority are still doing some sort of commission-based pay plan. I would guess probably around 70%. Um, We'll see. Like I said, in a couple of months, I'll actually be able to check and see how close I was. But the big thing I always tell people is I have shops that make a ton of money and pay their technicians flat rate. I have shops that make a ton of money and pay their technicians hourly. It's not as simple as that, but still would be curious to see. Um, And I think the big thing on that one is we will probably see a big difference on that depending on where you are, right? In the Northeast, it's going to be one thing, Southeast, Midwest, um, you know, Southern California, Northern California, all kinds of stuff like that. So depending on where you are, you know, there is going to be different goals, different targets and stuff like that. And this report's going to quantify all of that. Obviously, the reason I decided to do this episode this week was not only to announce this, but also give a reminder to people to make sure that they take part in this study. But I also, over the last couple of days, have been reviewing down through our current uh, benchmarking and database that we have and kind of pulling out some numbers between end of 2020, end of 2021, and end of 2022. You know, all of these have hundreds, you know, and if you combine all of them, thousands of different shops in there, which give us a really good average. But also what we're doing here is a little mini benchmark to kind of see what the last three years have looked like. And I haven't done this by quarter, but I plan to kind of even use what we have here now and kind of use it as a little bit of a, you know, index, right? Hey, what are shops doing? What are shops making? What are the trends? Because some of these numbers over the last three years have remained exactly constant. Like they have not changed whatsoever. Other ones have went up. Other ones have went down. And the cool thing is, is I think there's actually a lot of information just in that that kind of mimics what we're seeing in the overall economy. Now, again, I could be kind of putting, you know, generalizations or putting hypotheses behind these numbers that have nothing to do with what I think is going on. But just like anything, I think it was a cool idea for discussion and one to share those numbers with you. Um, Like I said, if you're a monthly client, you're seeing these numbers or maybe you haven't looked at it and you should on a quarterly basis. Um, And if you're not our client, you've never really heard these numbers. Some of these are targets and some of these are averages that are going to be directly useful for your shop. And then finally going to get to the big thing that I've been struggling with a lot is, all right, we're trying to quantify that top 10% of shops, but what measurement are we going to use to say, hey, that is a top shop or how do we rank these and stuff like that? One of the things here that we track, first one on the top of this sheet is average gross sales per month. And this number is really one, it's probably the least useful number on here if you're just trying to look at this and compare it to your individual shop. Because there's so many other variables in, right? It's not sales per square foot, which is a number we're trying to measure on our current benchmark. It's not sales per technician. It's not segmented out based on size, anything like that. It's just a flat average. But there is you know, going to be some variability of who's in this study, but the core shops are all pretty similar for this three-year period that we're looking at here. And so we have 2020, 21, and 22. Average monthly sales for our shops in 2020 was $105,000 a month, a little over $1.2 million a year. Average sales in 2021 for those shops was 121, 121,000. So that went up about 15,000 from the previous year. Now, 2022 is up to almost $140,000. So we went 105, 121, 140 in sales, top line sales. Now, does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense for a number of reasons. 
between 2020, 2021, 2022, probably the strongest three-year period this industry has ever seen. Almost all shops are making money right now. Almost all shops are busier than they've ever been. And also, all shops should have raised their prices over that three-year period, probably about 20 to 25%. That 20 to 25% increase really is nothing other than inflation. If you were actually doing more work, then that's why you're seeing sales over and above that. But if you're pricing and increasing your pricing correctly on it, you are already going to be about 20% ahead. Now, that's pretty much what we're seeing here on the baseline, right? So if we're at 105, we would expect at the end of 2022 to already be about 125, just based on inflation alone. Realistically, some shops are probably not even keeping up with inflation on their labor rate and stuff like that. So what we saw on top of that is also people were just busier. Not only, well, I don't want to kind of shortcut a little bit here. We did see kind of car count going up a little bit, but mostly average repair order is going up, which means people were just saying yes to stuff. Um, I don't want to jump ahead because we are going to talk about those numbers. But yeah, I mean, sales across the board are going up. So average shop in 2020 was doing 105. Average in 2022 was 140. So the average is changing, right? The whole entire sea level is rising, lifting all ships for the most part. We all have bad days when we just turn to someone and ask, how the heck do I fix this? When that happens to you on the business side, which may not be your strong suit, you want someone quick and you want them to be clear. That's exactly what Dan Groen from Detroit Garage found when he peppered the folks at Shopware with questions about how to make the most of its shop management system. As he puts it, they continually solve the curveballs that we throw at them. With seven shops, Dan jokes that he is a demanding client, but that is a sign of a guy committed to his business. Even better, the Shopware support team met every challenge with, in Dan's words, impressive capabilities and vigor. No complaints, no hassles, just a commitment to help Dan through his day. As Dan says, we make each other stronger. Now that's a partnership that works. It is time. Visit GetShopware.com. In today's world, managing the labor side of your business is more important than ever. Utilizing their industry-leading software, Labor Profit Management, Repair Shop of Tomorrow can help shops maximize their profits by developing a specific plan for each client. Do you know what your effective labor rate is? Do you know your technician's efficiency and productivity? Do you know how much profit dollars each technician is adding to the bottom line? If the answer is no, then this Napa Auto Care endorsed program from Repair Shop of Tomorrow is the program for you. Developed for shop owners by shop owners, this program will help you become more profitable on day one. Utilizing their unique labor management systems will allow you to work smarter, not harder. For more information about their programs, please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com. The next one on here that we looked at is labor gross profit. So labor gross profit in 2020 was around 56.7%, 2021, 59.5%, 2022, 59%. So what we see here is about a 3% increase from 20 to 21, and then about a 0.5 decrease down from 21 to 22. So here's what I think is going on here, is we see a big bump in that first year from 20 to 21. Now, a lot of that is probably going to be productivity alone. 21 was probably, if you look at this three-year period, 21 was probably the best year for our shops in general. And what we probably saw there was 
increased efficiency, increased productivity. Anytime that you increase your efficiency and productivity, your labor gross profit is going to increase. Even if you're flat rate, it's not going to increase as fast as if you're salary or hourly, but you're still going to see a bump. So that's why I think that we went from 56 up to 59.5. Now, the thing here on why it went from 59.5 to 59, right? We actually increased our sales, but our labor gross profit actually stayed the same or went down slightly is inflation. 2020, we know that sales were going up. 2021, we could see that start of inflation really kind of hitting. But I don't think a lot of people were proactively raising their you know, employees' payroll amount, their rates and stuff like that. 2022 is when I saw a ton of people really raising their cost. Obviously, their sales were going up as well, too. But a lot of people were raising their technicians' rates almost the same as what they're raising their labor rate, essentially saying, yes, I'm going to sell more, but I'm also going to give my technicians more. So on from a percentage basis, we're not actually making any more money. And like I'm looking at here, maybe in some cases, we we're actually making slightly less. Now, overall, from a percentage standpoint, we might have been making the same. But if our sales are higher and we maintain our percentages, we were still making more dollars. And that's where some of these you got to be careful looking at percentages versus dollars. Because if your gross profit percentage stays the same, but your sales go up, you're making more gross profit dollars just at the same rate. 50% of 100,000 is 50. 50% of 200,000 is 100. So it looks like the percentage is the same, but obviously the dollars are much more, right? And that's why it's very important. You can never look at something just as a percentage. You also have to be mindful of the dollars at the end of the day, because we pay stuff in dollars, not percentages. So yeah, I mean, that's my big takeaway there. That's what I think is going on is sales were going up, so were our cost. Now, some things stayed exactly the same. So our parts gross profit, 43.4, 43.6, 43.4. Those were 2020, 21, and 22. So parts gross profit actually stayed exactly the same for this three-year period. Why? Most people did not touch their parts matrix. So parts matrix is going to change. And we did an episode on that, on how to tweak it to keep up with inflation. But more or less, if you keep your parts matrix the same, your parts margin is going to stay the same no matter what your sales are. Now, if the mix of what you're selling changes, then your parts margin is going to change as well. But if you're selling the same stuff over these, you know, same three-year period at the same percentages, obviously that kind of makes sense. Tire gross profit, I don't really want to kind of dive too deep into this because there's so many variables on the tire side. Some people don't sell tires. Some people sell a ton of them. Some people sell a couple. But tire gross profit, we also saw falling from 24.5 to 22 down to a little bit under 22 for 2022. The biggest thing that I think is going on here is people are having some trouble sourcing some tires. I know firsthand I've talked to some shops on that. I think some people have gotten away from it. And also some of the margins are just going up on tires. Um, I know a lot of my clients, when they sell tires, they just do a flat dollar amount. They say, hey, I make 20 bucks a tire. So if it costs me 120, I'm selling it for 140. But like we were talking about before, if you kept that same flat dollar amount and that tire is now 180, yes, you're still making $20 on the tire, but your percentage is falling. That's what I think is going on there. Next one on here is service advisor. 
And so we look at service advisor, we look at it as a percentage of sales. And so generally we like to see service advisor costs 10% or less of sales. Uh, changes dependent on what their roles and responsibilities are. But for this three-year period, we measured it exactly the same way. So what we saw in 20 was 8.8% of our sales, 2021, 8.4, and then 8.3 for 22. So that means that if you have a million dollar year shop, you're paying about, you know, 8.8% in 20, which is $88,000 or down to $83,000 if you're in 2022. Now, what is going on here that makes our service advisor cost as a percentage of sales go down? So realistically, I think this is a very similar conversation that we're having to our technicians as well. Um, and for service advisors, the majority of them at least have a lot of base pay, but some commission. There's not a whole lot out there that are completely commission based where it would be directly tied to the sales, you know, in the same metric that a technician would be. So what I think we're seeing a lot here is, you know, 2021, 20, 22, the service advisor cost as a percentage of sales has been decreasing, meaning from a relative basis, the service advisor is taking less of a percentage of the sales. But you also have to keep in mind here that over this three-year period, sales have went up 30%. So if our sales had went up 30% and we wanted our percentages to stay the same, that would have meant that our service advisor costs would have had to go up 30% as well too. Hey, your service advisor is making 120, they're making 130,000 today. Most people just weren't increasing their wages anywhere as fast as what their sales were going up for probably justifiable reasons. If we weren't seeing more volume come through, just more dollars, does that predicate that much of an increase in their um, cost? And then also the flip side is, you know, again, the efficiency standpoint. If you have a service advisor doing, you know, nine tickets a day, making them do 10 tickets a day is probably not going to predicate you having to hire another body that can still handle it. Um, now, within reason, if you do you know, really scale up your sales, you're going to have to add another one on there. But we usually see that falling gates. And also just with the labor market, the way that it is, we just haven't seen that many people, even adding people that they know that they need just because they can't find good help or reliable help or qualified help. Now, the next two on here is average rate pair order and car count. And I always like to talk about these together because they need to be talked about together. You can't look at one without looking at the other. What I was talking about before of the service advisor and yeah, the sales are going up, but they might not actually be doing more tickets. I actually got that comment from looking at these numbers. So remember, average sales are at 105 up to 130, which a lot of people would think of, well, we're doing more cars which is really not the case. So if I look at car count, average car count on a monthly basis for all of our shops, in 2020, it was 218, 2021, 220, 2022, 223. That's pretty crazy. So we went up two to 21, we went up three to 22. In the grand scheme of things, we started at 218, we ended at 223. I would call that we stayed steady. That's on a month. So that's like less than maybe a car of a week difference for most shops on here. And so where does the increase in sales come from, Hunt? If we're doing the same amount of cars, how do we have our sales going up You know, 40% over this period? It's from ARO. So if we look at ARO for 2020, it was 485. 2021, it was 549. 2022, it was 628. Every single year, our average spend has gone up about 75 bucks per car and our car count's staying about the same. So most people haven't increased the amount of cars that they're doing. 
they're increasing the amount of work that they're doing on those specific cars. Now, in your world, what does that look like? That's more people saying yes. That's your close rate increasing. That's just the cost of your services going up. So they might be saying yes to the same thing that they did last year, but you're now making an extra $100 on it just because of pricing and stuff like that. But that was kind of the wild thing. I was expecting that the car count would be going up for shops as well, but we've really seen car count remain about the same. And like I said, the increase is coming from the pricing. The last one on here of why I don't think that the car count is going up and why I think even the sales are probably limited here is that a lot of people, maybe not as much now, maybe more six, nine months ago, were saying, hon, I could probably do 10, 20% more right now if I had an extra body or if I had two extra bodies. Most people's limiting factor right now is not demand, as in cars coming up to want to spend money. It's, hey, I have cars on a lot, but I can't get them out the door. Either my technicians are not being super productive, but I can't replace them because, you know, there's no one there to fill in that spot. Or, you know, they tried to and they just can't find a suitable candidate. Again, car can't remain the same. ARO has been skyrocketing the last couple of years on it. And right now, our average repair order is 628 for all of our shops. That includes, like I said, Euro shops, heavy duty, diesel shops. You know, and once this benchmark report is out, should be able to give good ARO averages for all the kind of different industry sectors to kind of do a little sanity check. For most people, though, uh, if you're a general repair shop, 400 or better is a good target. If you're at 400, 450, something like that, could it be better? Sure, it could always be better, but that's a pretty solid one. Um, if you're down at 200 or something like that and you don't just do a ton of state inspections, or even if you do, it's probably not good. What we would want to see is that increase a little bit more. The whole idea is, you know, would you rather do one job for a thousand and five or five for 200? Most people would pick one for a thousand. There's something to be said about a high arrow, low volume shop. There is a lot of positives. Every extra car means a lot more money. The downside is, is you're very dependent on that car count because, you know, one car, if you're only doing 70 cars a month, one car is a big, big, big swing, you know, versus if you're doing one car, out of 400 in a month, it's a drop in a bucket. You won't even notice it. So like I was talking about before, I mean, there's some things that have remained the same. Some things that went up, some things that went down. Was looking at advertising here. So average of all of our shops for this three-year period is 2.9, 2.8, 2.8. And so I always tell people this, and this has remained pretty constant here. Most of my shops are spending about 3% of their sales on advertising. But it's not truly realistic that every shop is spending 3%. Most of the time, we have people in two buckets. I have shops that have more work than they know what to do with. They've been around forever. Everyone knows who they are. They don't need any more cars ever. Haven't needed more cars in 20 years. And they spend virtually nothing on advertising. And if they do, it's probably you know a little bit of stuff here or there, but not really official you know direct mail marketing, SEO, and stuff like that. Now, on the other hand of things, about 50% of my clients do spend money on advertising, and most of them are spending about 6% of their sales on advertising. So what it works out to be is the ultimate net average is around 3%. Half at zero, half at 6% ends up being an average of 3%. Now, this is one that I'm really curious to see on our top shops, because part of me is thinking that the top shops, meaning the top 10% of our shops, are spending probably less than the average on ab- on advertising. If I had to guess, I'm going to say that our top shops are spending less than 2% of their sales on advertising. Why? 
because most of the most profitable and you know best shops mean that they have a backlog of work, right? They never have slow times because they always have more cars. Now, for some of those shops, that's going to be because they do a ton of advertising are always driving people in there. But there's also going to be some I know firsthand that don't ever spend any money on advertising because they're always booked. They're always booking out. Why would they spend on advertising to bring more people in just to schedule them out? Now, rent as a percentage of sales is another thing that we measure. And as a general rule of thumb for people, we say, hey, you should be about six to nine percent of your sales in rent. Obviously, if you're less than six percent, we're not going to be mad about that. And depending on where you're in the country, nine percent might not even be realistic. For my clients in, you know, I guess northern and southern California. A lot of those is not uncommon to see double digits, even mid double digits as far as rent as a percentage of sales. On the flip side, though, I have some shops, you know, in the Midwest that are one, two percent of their sales are going to rent because it's just very cheap to operate. But if we're looking for this change over the periods, we see 6.1 percent in 20, 5.4 percent in 21 and then down to 4.9 in 22. So if you can look, we actually saw a little over a percentage decrease in between 20 to 22. As a percentage of our sales, our rent is actually decreasing over this three-year period, which on the surface might seem weird. Why is the rent going down when our sales are going up? But it actually makes perfect sense. The majority of our clients, I believe, again, we'll have to double check this, but the majority of my clients own their own buildings, so they're paying rent to themselves. And most of my shops, they don't put in a percentage increase on those leases. They look at it periodically and increase it. But I guarantee you that there is a ton of shops that their monthly rent has stayed exactly the same in 20 as it was in 22. And also there's a lot of people that have a landlord that their rent has probably stayed exactly the same as it, you know, for this three year period that we're looking at here. Why does that percentage goes down? Well, if we're averaging $105,000 of sales in a month in 2020 and our rent is the same in 22 where we're averaging 140,000, then obviously from a percentage basis, our rent is getting cheaper. Our rent is getting cheaper. Advertising stay the same. Car count is the same. ARO is going up. Margins more or less are pretty similar, but our sales are going up. What does the entire business look like from a snapshot? And the best way to give a snapshot, the biggest thing that I care about and the what we're going to be using to measure what a top shop is, is money to owner as a percentage of sales. This is my favorite number to measure. This is my favorite number to judge shops on because there's a lot of different ways to slice a pie, right? I see shops with really high labor, really low parts, really high parts, really low labor, really good ARO, really low car count. There is so many different ways to run a successful business. But at the end of the day, the way that I judge it is I say, okay, a successful business is one that generates a healthy profit to the owner. Because let's be realistic. We're not in this for the fun of it. Maury, maybe you got into it. That's probably not why you're sticking around. We're in this to make money, right? I'm judging businesses. I'm judging business owner on how well they can set up this business. And so I'm going to judge a shop based on how much money it can operate. Hey, I'm looking at this business. This shop is a money-making machine. How efficient have you made this machine? Would you buy a machine from me that if you put $100 in it, that it gave you out $5? Or would you rather buy this other machine that if you put in $100 in it, you get $30 out? Now, probably a bad analogy there. I guess it would be someone else puts $100 in and it gives you $5 out. 
but you get the idea. Of the sales coming through the door, how much of these end up in my pocket? Because this is a measure of working smarter, not harder. Because let's say that 10% of your sales are going to you in a form of profit and you want to take twice as much home. You can do two things. You can work harder, which means do twice the sales and you'll get twice the money at the bottom line. Or you can increase your margins and do the same amount of work and make twice as much money. In 2020, the average money to owner as a percentage of sales was 12.5%. So what that is, is $105,000 in top line sales and 12.5% of that is going to the owner in one way, shape or form, whether on salary or whether in bottom line profits. It's about $13,000. Now in 2021, our sales went up to 121,000 and the percentage went up to 15.2%. So that means that around $18,000 on average is coming to our shops in a percentage of sales. Not too bad, right? Again, sales are going up, but we still have more profit coming home. Now, 2022, we saw that that percentage went from 15.2% up to 15.7%. So again, over this three-year period, we are still getting more and more profitable here, not only from a percentage standpoint, but a dollars and standpoint, right? We went from $13,000 a month to $18,000 a month. Now the average in 2022 is going to be, let's calculate that. It's around 22%. So $13,000, is what we're taking out on average out of these shops between profit and payroll for our standard shops here. Not too bad. Now, target is always 20%, right? 20% net is what we always talk about. It's what most people preach on here. And you can tell that the average shop is actually taken slightly less than that. Now, what is not factored in here is, you know, discretionary expenses, one-time expenses, non-recurring expenses, and stuff like that. So there is some variables going in here. You know, this is done more of a rough average where the benchmark will get us some more exact numbers. But you can probably safely assume a couple percentage points in there for personal stuff. So I would say probably 20% is a realistic target for a realistic average for most of my shops out there, which is also a good industry target. If anyone says, well, hey, 20% is not possible, the average of all of my shops is doing it, which means realistically, a lot of them are way above that. um, And some of them are also below that as well. But when I look at those percentages over the years for this three-year period, again, this makes pretty good sense. We saw a large gap or a large jump from 20 to 21, meaning not only from a dollars, but also from a percentage basis, shops were making more money between 20 to 21. Now for 22, the average went up from a dollar standpoint, right? The percentage stayed about the same, but our sales went up, which means our dollars went up our percentages stayed about the same, but why? The only way to increase that percentage would be to increase the sales and or increase the gross profit while leaving our fixed expenses alone, meaning our fixed expenses are not getting more expensive. Realistically though, just like we were talking about a lot of people increasing their wages in 2022, that's where we saw the biggest increase in just overhead increases right? Your insurance skyrocketed, your utilities skyrocketed, our entire life has skyrocketed, right? It's the entire reason we're in this position as 2022, we saw the highest inflation we've seen since I've been alive, right? It's the highest inflation we've seen since the early 80s. So of course, if we have sales going up, but our costs are also increasing as well, which is why we didn't see that 
huge bump in percentage of money going to owners um, that we would have expected in the past. To summarize this three-year period of what we have here, you know, like I said, it's sales are going up, gross profit is going up a little bit, but really just kind of attributed only to labor efficiency side, which we saw on the labor and the service advisor cost side. You know, the big uh, takeaway also here is most people's car count is not really going up, staying pretty similar. And I've seen a number of cases where it's actually went down, but across the board, average repair order has been skyrocketing. Right. And if you're only comparing 2022 back to 2020, we saw an increase of about 30% in just AROLA. So that's pretty incredible. Funny enough, it also almost matches up exactly with our average gross sales increase as well. Advertising stayed about the same. Rent as a percentage has actually gotten cheaper. And overall, people are making more money as a percentage of sales to owner as well as dollars to owner on a monthly basis. All in all, it's been a very good three-year run for this shop. Um, I'm really curious to see what this upcoming year looks like. And you know, the next thing I probably plan to do with these numbers is start tracking these on a quarterly basis. Start to see what trends are looking like. Hey, let's see what the third quarter, fourth quarter, first, second quarter, to kind of start looking at closer averages here to kind of see if we can start to see trends before they happen. Um, and obviously, the benchmark report that we're doing is going to do that in so much more detail. Final reminder here for our monthly clients out there, if you have not taken part in the study and you do want to, please shoot us a message and we'll make sure we can get you on that list, get you the survey and get rolling here. I want to wrap all this up by the end of January. If you are not a monthly client of ours and you are interested in this, then just keep an eye out over the next couple months. Um, I'm sure I'll be at least doing one more episode on this one. And also when it's out there, um, we'll be announcing it. We'll be releasing it, sending it out there for you to do whatever you want to do with it. I hope this was helpful, um, not only to give a reminder to people, but also see some trends here and just kind of give you a little bit of a deep dive into what we're doing behind the scenes. But as always, share with friends, share with fellow shop owners. If you have any questions, comments, or want to be a guest on a future episode, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Just want to say thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.